Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. I, um, it's, a, it's kind of a love-hate relationship uh, when you come into a place where the heavens are so open because you get so many downloads and, and then you realize your notes just go right out the window. <laughs> and who cares anyway, right? Uh, I'm just going to talk with you from my heart. I think that's probably the better thing to do. And, uh, you know, April 7th, I woke up out of a dream that I had. And um, this dream, I was, I was singing this song, this wonderful old song that Dottie Rambo wrote called Holy Spirit, Thou Art Welcome in This Place. And I was just singing it in this dream and singing it and singing it. And it got stronger and stronger and stronger until the song picked me up and propelled me into a service. I don't know where that was, but I was in this service and uh, <clears throat> I, the whole place was just singing the same song, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. And, and there was nobody on the platform. It was not platform led. It was just the presence of Holy Spirit just coming down in this place. And, and everyone there was caught up in, in their hearts to meet with him. And, and all of a sudden, uh, miracles just began to happen. If you were ever had the privilege of being in, in, in Catherine Kuhlman's meetings, uh, many, many was the time that she would just, uh, she'd come to a place in the service where she would just sit down either on the steps or on a, on a, on a chair and say, I have nothing to do with this anymore. It's all his. And of course she did have everything to do with the service, but she would always use that disclaimer. And, uh, and then, and these, these spontaneous miracles would just begin flowing and, uh, and she would never let go of each miracle until she was sure that it was documented and sure that it was actually true. And I, and I so appreciate that about Catherine. And uh, the integrity that she ministered in was just, it was magnificent, really. And, and so it was like that in this service. And, and, and the Holy Spirit was just moving and moving, just like, just brooding, really, over the service and, uh, and, and bringing forth these wonderful, wonderful healings. And then it went from, and, and all manner of healings were taking place from, from amputees having their limbs restored, but it wasn't, they didn't grow out, they just appeared, they just bang, they were there. They were just restored immediately. And, and, uh, and it was just these unusual manifestations that were taking place. And, and I, I was just caught up in this and just and so enjoying. And, and, then, and then it moved from physical healings to emotional trauma. You know, there's a lot of people that are walking wounded. That, that, are, that they have emotional trauma in their lives and grief in their lives. And there's, there's some folks in Ames this morning. They, they've got some grief in their lives. And the good news is, is that he's come to heal the brokenhearted. 
and uh, and I and, and he was just flowing, and it was I was just so aware. And then it, it moved from emotional trauma to mental disorders, and 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 people uh, with autism were being healed, and all manner of things were taking place. And it was just so strong, and it was so, and it just kept building and building. And I and I, and I was singing and singing, and then I, then I woke myself up singing this song. And the presence of the Lord was in our bedroom. And, and it was so beautiful. He is so beautiful. And I, and Faye, she's been challenged with some hip problems. And so I put my hand on her hip and, and was just praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and then she woke up and what are you doing? And, and so I told her the dream and we began to pray together and and we prayed and we prayed until she went back to sleep and I couldn't go to sleep. I just got up. And, uh, and when, when, when I woke myself up, it was 4.44 in the morning. And uh, I glanced at the clock on there and, and it's 4.44 in the morning. And <clears throat> this morning, the Lord woke my wife up at 4.44 in the morning and I've just got this feeling that we've got our toes hanging over the edge of a threshold. I, I think you better get buckled up. You know, get, get your helmet on. And uh, I ride motorcycles and, and it's, it's, sometimes it's just time to put your helmet on and and, 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 and strap it on and get ready to go because I believe with all my heart that God is going to release this wonderful flow of healing once again in a magnanimous way, in a, in a big way that nobody can attach their name to and, and he's just going to come. And, and do these kinds of things. And we need to, we need to be prepared. And so <clears throat> in preparation, the Lord put this word in my heart. I want to share with you, if I may. And um, if you've got your Bibles, whether, and I've given up with the, with the paper and leather, um, you know, trying to demand that people bring their Bibles to church. Well, you've got your Bibles, whether it's electronic, I don't care. You know, get an app that I can hear the pages turning or something, you know. And uh, um, I like the sound of the pages of the Bible turning and things like that. I'm, I guess I'm just old school. But if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 102. And I don't think that this is just a sermon. I do think that this is a word. That, that is being released in my heart and in my spirit. And, and I'm going to depend on Holy Spirit for the release of this word. And I'm probably going to be struggling. I got cataract surgery last year. And so I'm, I'm in between these things of readers and reading and I don't know it's crazy but I want to pick it up in verse well before I do that this psalm is a prayer of the afflicted 
when the afflicted is overwhelmed. And, and, and the psalmist begins to pour out this, this incredible pressure on the heart of a cry that comes forth. And, and the psalmist, like most of us do, we, when we're overwhelmed, we begin to pour our complaint out to the Lord. Do you guys do that? And, and I found out a long, long time ago, it doesn't make him nervous to hear my complaints. And he's patient to hear them, by the way. And, uh, and he's kind. And uh, he waits till we pour it all out. And then he begins to speak to us. And so the, the psalmist pours the complaint out and pours the problems out so that, that it's plain before the Lord and plain out of their heart. And then begins to prophesy. Out of, out of their complaint, they, they've lifted their eyes up high enough, you know. We, we begin pouring our complaints out and then we begin lifting our eyes up because we need an answer to the complaint and the only answer that we're going to get is from him. And the fact of the matter is, is he is the answer, right? I mean, a lot of times we're looking for answers that he can pull out of his pocket and hand to us and we think that that would satisfy us, but that's really not what his answer is. His answer is, is that he just shows up. He just comes and appears, makes his presence known. And, and so this prophetic word comes and it says in verse 13, it, it says, speaking, speaking to the Lord, you will arise and have mercy on Zion. In the scriptures, Zion speaks of the people of his presence. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. So the nation shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. And here's what he does when he appears in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. And this will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That's us. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven the Lord viewed the earth. You know, in Psalms 113, it says, there's that scripture there that says, he humbles himself to look down into heaven. <laughs> you do realize, don't you, that... that that eternity is inside of him? And, and, and inside of him is, is eternity, and inside of that is heaven? <laughs> and inside of, inside of that is the cosmos? And, and inside of that is, is humanity? And inside, of, and inside of humanity, he created us for his glory? to be placed and invested on the inside of our being. He put eternity in our hearts. That's what the scripture says. And so he looks down into his heart, into eternity, into the cosmos, from the very highest expression of his being, he's looking for this. 
to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, and to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. And when God says, when the scriptures say he declares his name, what he's doing is he's opening up the veil of his heart. And, and when he says I, he's going to de declare his name, he opens the veil up so that we can see his character and his nature. Because name in scripture is synonymous or equal to nature, character. Right? And so, so God says, you, you, you might think you might know who you think I am, but let me tell you who I really am. I've come to hear the groaning of the prisoners. I've come to release them. I've come because I am Savior. It's not just an action that he did. That's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. And out of his nature, he pours out all the elements of who he is. And we're just beginning to discover who he is. We think we know. You know, I remember I was junior in Bible college and dear Lord, I knew everything. And if you didn't believe me, I would tell you. I know everything. And then God came. And I've begun realizing ever since, and that's, I, it's almost depressing, but I've lived on the planet for seven decades. And I realized, I don't know anything. And I've never been so at peace And I've never been so satisfied as to know nothing as I ought to know. Hmm? And the longer I walk with him, and the more that he reveals his nature to me, the more I realize, dear God, I, I really don't know you. You know, Paul, at the end of his life, he wrote in... in, in and he wrote and he wrote this letter and he says, I want to know him. <laughs> at the end, at the end of his ministry, he's, he's, he's writing a letter that says, I really want to know him. What's wrong, Paul? Aren't you born? Yes, I'm, of course, I'm born again. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want him to speak. I want him to reveal I want him to pull back that veil so that I can see him. Evermore see him. Now, years ago, I was in, I was in, uh, I was in Korea, and God opened up this really strange door to me. And and this door was, uh, he opened up. It's a long, long, detailed story, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it really short. My wife will be proud of me. Um, <laughs> because I love the details and you know we've almost got a role reversal thing going on between us because she likes to cut to the chase and I like the details and it's just, I don't know it's the feminine side of me I guess I don't know and and
And we got confused somewhere along the way and I get the details and she gets cut to the chase. And anyway, I'll cut to the chase. <laughs> the door opened up through a wonderful healing of a lady in, in Korea, in Seoul, and she had stage four stomach cancer and she had about a tumor that made her look like she was six, seven months pregnant. And, uh, and I was teaching in a mission school and I invited her to come there because I had known her previously. Uh, in our, she, we, she, we pastored in Hawaii. This is all jumbled up, isn't it? We pastored in Hawaii. She was in our church in Hawaii and then she was back in Korea to get treated for this stage four stomach cancer. And uh, so I heard that she was there and I invited her to come to the meeting. And I told her, I said, Mina, uh, who knows what God will do? He, he, he can do anything. Come to the service and, and, and maybe, maybe something beautiful will happen to your body. And so she, she came. And she came in and she was emaciated looking. Her eyes were sunk in and dark. You've probably seen the, or known someone that, that was challenged with these kind of things. And, and, uh, and she sat down gingerly in her chair. And, and I was teaching. And right now I don't remember what I was teaching. But I do remember this, that in the middle of a sentence, the anointing changed from a teaching anointing to a healing anointing. And I just stopped in the middle of the sentence with my mouth open. And I looked at her and I said, Mina, come here. Come, I think God wants to touch you. And she got and she got about eight feet away from me and out into the power of God, she goes onto the floor and, and she's crying and then she's laughing and then she's crying and she's laughing and she's in speaking in Korean and speaking in English and then speaking in tongues and then just crying and laughing and she was a mess. And we all gathered around. Of course, class was over now because now it's audiovisual. <laughs> and the real teacher's there. And, uh, and, and she's there on the, on the floor and she starts laughing with this deep, deep belly laugh. And then she starts hitting her stomach. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And then she said, and we stood there and we watched, we watched her stomach go down to normal. And, and. And she got up off the floor and her face was like these lights that are in my eyes. She was beaming and she danced all over the place and she ran and she danced and she didn't know what to do with herself. And all the rest of the class didn't know what to do with themselves either. So they danced and they ran and it was wonderful. And I didn't have to teach anymore because Holy Ghost was teaching. And she came back the next day and, and, and her face was so beautiful. No darkness around her eyes. Her face was filled out beautiful. There was just, she looked the picture of health. And she said to me, uh, listen, uh, you, you, and, and I'm going to skip a bunch of details and go to what she said to me a little bit later on. She says, listen, you're going to get a telephone call. Please just say yes. And I said, Okay. I'll do it. And I got a call from a professor in a university. And uh, he said that he was the, the, the chair or the professor of uh, the department. He was from Pusan National University. It's this secular university. He says, I'm the chair of the, of the Department of uh, Cultural Content and Development. What is that? That's what I thought. I didn't say it, but I, I thought it. 
And he says, it's a new department. And he said, I didn't have, he says, I'm a Christian and it's a new department. And I didn't, I didn't have any curriculum. And I called the president and said, is this a joke? And he said, no, he says, you need to write your own curriculum. You're a doctor. And, uh, and so he says, I prayed about it and, and asked the Lord what he wanted to do with the Department of Cultural Content and Development. And the Lord said to me, I want to bring the culture of the kingdom of heaven into the university cultural system. And so he said, would you please come and speak to us for two days, two hours a day on the culture of the kingdom of heaven? And I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. And, and, and so I, I, I went there and I was scared spitless. I mean, my, my mouth was dry. Because I respect education. I, I do. And, and I love education. It's wonderful. And, um, and in fact, I'm educated far beyond my intelligence. And, and it's, it's just the reality. And, but I was, I, I so honored these professors. And, and then he says, oh, by the way, you're not talking to my students. You're talking to the professors of the university. Uh, no pressure. And so uh, I went there and I was, it was on a Monday night. I was in my hotel room. I mean, they, they put me on this train. It's the bullet train. It's hallelujah. 220 miles an hour. I love speed. And, and, and blasted down to Pusan. It's on the southern tip of the, uh, the peninsula of Korea. And uh, I just butchered my notes today, so I'm just going to keep going. And, and we got down there, and I was, it was on Monday night. I was supposed to start speaking on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, and I didn't know what I was going to tell them. God likes that. I don't. And so I prayed and I walked and I laid down and I laid on my back and prayed and I got on my face and prayed and I got on my knees and prayed and I, I, I walked outside and prayed and I, and I wrung my hands and I prayed and I, and finally the Lord spoke to me and he says, son, you can only give them what you have. You cannot give them what you don't have. And peace came. And so I, I, I opened up my Bible at 10 o'clock the next morning in a, in a conference room with uh, 14 professors. And, um, and, and I began to speak to them about the culture of the kingdom of heaven out of Exodus chapter 33, where God said to Moses, I'm going to send you into the land. I'm going to give you everything that I wanted to give you and that I told you that I would give you, but I'm not going. I'm going to send an angel with you. And Moses says, whoa, back the truck up. I don't know an angel, but I do know you, and I'm not going without you. I didn't start this. You started it. And here's this amazing interaction between the heart of Moses and the heart of God. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm releasing this word to, the, to the, these professors and they're crying. And, the, and my translator, Professor Kim, and there's a million Kims in Korea, and Professor Kim... 
uh, he, he would stop me and he would say, just a moment, just a moment. And then he would burst into tears and he would cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And then he would compose himself, okay, we can go now. And, and it was that kind of a dynamic happening in this room of professors, university professors. And, and God was there and, and, and it was beautiful. And, and I, 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 I structured it as I was going along so that I could start the next day, Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, with the statement of Moses' prayer, show me your glory. And that would have been my opening statement for the second day. And, and so we, we, we went and I finished at 12 noon and, uh, and, 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 and Professor Kim says, okay, this is wonderful. You finished just like a professor. You finished on time. And, and I said, okay, hallelujah. And, and then, and then the second day I started and, and I, I read my text, show me your glory. And this, this woman professor raises her hand. And I stopped and I said, yes. And she says, excuse me. She says, is, is this lecture only or can we ask questions? And God stuck a finger in my brain and I went stupid for a moment. And I said to this university professor from a secular university, oh, sure, ask any question you want. <laughs> and then I realized what I said. And I looked into the woman's eyes and her eyes are gleaming. And I realized that this woman is stronger than 40 acres of garlic. And she said, I understand by your lecture yesterday that God allows debate in his kingdom. And I love debate, she said. Because it's one of the finest forms of education. And she's right. It's, it's true. And out of heaven comes this answer that bypassed my brain jumped into my heart and somehow came out of my mouth. And I said to her, yes, he does allow debate in his kingdom, but you must understand that Moses debated God, not on the basis of his intelligence, but on the basis of God's integrity. And I'd never heard that before. <laughs> and she looked at me like I, I, she didn't know and her mouth fell open and tears began jumping out of her eyes, running down her face. She puts her head on the conference table and she says, my God, my God, I missed it by light years. I think we miss it by light years. When we think that we know anything about him. And I think that God is intending on purpose, he's designed it to happen this way, that he wants us to stop thinking about him and start thinking with him. And to have the mind of Christ activated on the inside of us. I mean, if you're wearing a wristband, this will date me a little bit, but it really doesn't date me because I go much further back than this. If we're wearing on our wristband a WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we're in a situation and we look down at our wristband, what would Jesus do? What would, you, what would Jesus We've already missed it. He's moving faster than the speed of light. 
Did, did you know, um, back in 1996, well, w further, further, further back, did you, you ever heard of this guy by the name of Albert Einstein? He, I didn't know him, by the way. <laughs> I'm not that old. But he did die after I was born. But he, he states in his research and he couldn't quantify what he saw, but he saw something. And what he saw was, he termed it scary fast. Scary fast. But he didn't have the technology to quantify what he saw. And he didn't quite have the understanding to put it together, to, to, to put it into words and to, and to actually find out and discover what he was seeing. But he saw it, but... And so he didn't have any other words, so he says, it's, I see something scary fast, is what he said. In 1990s, they discovered what he saw. And, and what they discovered was the way the kingdom of God is, operates. What they discovered was, is if you take a, a, a particle that's negatively charged, and you take a particle that's positively charged, and you bring them together... And this is now the words of science now. They're beginning to discover the kingdom a little bit by little bit. And, 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 and they're saying that when you bring these two particles together and they, they become entangled until a state of intimacy is achieved. <laughs> and then you separate them and you put one particle in Los Angeles and you put the other particle in Boston, when one moves, the other one reacts. And the slowest speed that it reacts is 10,000 times the speed of light. That's called oneness. And Jesus prayed that we would be one with the Father, even as He is one with the Father, and that we would be one with each other, even as they are in us and we are in them and we are there and we achieve a state of intimacy to where when He moves, we move. When, we, when He speaks, we speak. This is what Jesus this is what Jesus meant when he said, he says, look, guys, I can't do anything. Jesus, I can't do anything. I can only do what I see the Father do. Later on, he says, I, I, I only say, I only judge, I only say what I hear Father say. Can you imagine a guy like that looking for a job as a pastor in a church? And he's being interviewed by the the church pastoral search committee? Jesus being interviewed. Well, well you know, tell us, tell us what your programs are. Uh, I can't do anything. I, I can't do anything, guys. You can't do anything? No, no, I can't, I can't do anything. Well, well, can you give us a copy of your sermons? Well, I only, I only say what I hear my father say. I don't have any. I just only, I only do what I see him do and I only say, I don't think that they're going to keep him around for very long. I think Jesus would be turned away as a shepherd in modern day church, in Western culture. And I think 
that God is shaking us up more and more and more and more and more and more and more until we become so dependent on him that we crave and we long for the fulfillment of the answer of his prayer. Father, I pray that they are one with me as I am with you and that you are with me and then we're in you and you're in us and we're all become this conglomerate oneness beyond unity, beyond agreement, so at one that we're looking at each other and knowing together. This is what he's doing. And so this prayer, this prophetic word, he says, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. In Hebrew, you've got a whole bunch of words for time. But there's three primary words. One is ad. And ad is, is, is time from, from time uh, beginning to time ending. It's time in, 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 in continuity. It's, it's all of time. It's everything. And then inside of that, <coughs> inside of that, you've got, could, could you throw me that water bottle, honey? It's at your feet. Thank you, Dave. Then you've got inside of ad, et. And et is, is now time. And, and now time can be a moment or it can be a season. And it can be from a moment to like a year or more. But it's a, this, 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 this section, it's a specific section of time inside of the time continuum. And then inside of et, you've got moed. And, and moed, moed is, is, it's a set time. It's, it's like an appointment. You have an appointment to be at a certain place at a certain time to meet a certain person. And, and they're coming there for a predisposed objective. This is a really special thing, this moed, because moed is, is what's applied to uh, like the feasts and the offerings. In, in, the, in the old covenant. And, and in fact, today is the day of Pentecost, isn't it? We're celebrating the day of Pentecost. And, and so we're in a moed, literally. And, and I think that we're in a moed spiritually. And I think that God is calling us together at a right time in a right place that's already predetermined for, for covenant to come into existence and to be expressed and, and for something to take place in this moed season. Now, there's a moed for a woman to conceive. And there's a moed for a woman to deliver. There's a moed for a prophetic word to be given. And then there's a moed for a prophetic word to, to be fulfilled. And what happens in between these bookend appointments for one to be conception to, to take place or to, or, to be, or to be a prophetic word to be released and given utterance 
and released into the atmospheres so that, that, that something is, is triggered. For, for that to take place and for then for it to be fulfilled later on, there's this space in between these, these two Moed appointments and what happens between these two Moed appointments is really, 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 really important. Because what needs to take place in this, in this two bookends is, is preparation, maturity, development, and that comes through activated prayer. And, and here in this scripture, in, in, in verse 13, he says, for the time et to favor Zion, yes, the moed, the set time, has come. And so what he is saying is, he says, look, guys, something has happened here. There is there's something that has been prophetically released already. It's in the atmosphere. It's, it's working and it's functioning. And, and, and God has brought development, development, preparation, maturity. And, and now he says, and now it's time to be fulfilled. Now, everybody and their dog wants a prophetic word to be given to them. But if we were really, really, really sharp, we would gravitate to the ways of the kingdom of God and understand that once that prophetic word has been released, we have a part to play in it now because it's been conceived in our hearing. It's conceived in our heart. It's conceived in the congregation. It's conceived in a ministry. It's been released and it's, and it's going, it's moving. Now things are happening. Even though you cannot see it, it's happening. It's in that unseen dimension. And the Lord wants us to wake up to the degree that we can begin to see the invisible and hear the inaudible so that we can do the impossible. And so when he releases that prophetic word in our hearts and our lives, we have to understand that, we, that that's when the time, the time clock is ticking now, honey. It's, it's, it's moving. When a woman conceives, it's just a matter of time. Things are going to change. Her diet's going to change. The way, the way she walks is going to change. We were pastoring in Hawaii. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got the negative. I just got the vote of no confidence. I can't tell you this story. But there have been women. That have said to their husbands. Stay there. Stay there. Do I, do, do I walk like I'm pregnant? And any husband with half a molecule of the mind of Christ understands that that's called a man trap. These are questions you do not answer. These are questions where you begin prophesying. Honey, you look beautiful, just like you are. Does that make it 
Okay. Okay, here's the deal. You have been impregnated as a congregation. You're carrying multiple prophetic words. This congregation, you. You're not just going to have one baby. You're going to have multiple children. And they're on their way. And there have been times that you have felt like your clothes didn't fit you. And they don't. <coughs> you need to change your garment. In the fashion world, there's this curious size of garments. It's pretty kind of strange, really. It, it, it's got on the tag, it doesn't have S for small or medium for medium or large or extra large or extra extra large on it. This, this particular size of clothing says, one size fits all. It's really strange. In the realm of the spirit, we've got a garment that's one size fits all. And it's called the garment of praise. And what pastor was saying this morning is extremely accurate and extremely important. That when we move into that dimension of high praises, and let me tell you something, there's, there's, there's dimensions up there that we've not tapped into yet. There, there's, there's dimensions up there that when we tap into those things, it triggers the fulfillment of the moed that's been prophesied. And when we move into that dimension, everything changes. And you put that garment of praise on and what has been prophetically released into the world, into a city or into a region, into a city, into a congregation and into individual hearts. When those prophetic words have been released and they take. The devil is going to do everything that he can do to abort that. He's going to try to get your eyes everywhere except where it should be. He's going to try to draw your attention everywhere where it shouldn't be. And you must understand that we have an integral part in when God releases prophetic words between then and when they're fulfilled. And then after, I'm not even going to go into that today because I've only got seven more minutes. But here's the deal. We've got to get this. Ankeny, Iowa depends on this. The Des Moines region depends on this. The state of Iowa depends on this. And the nation of the United States of America depends on what we do with the prophetic words that God gives to us. I'm telling you. You are far more important than you think you are. You're far more important than you think you are. Far more. 
And when we get this, something is going to take place and, 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 and time is going to change. And our development is going to change and we're going to begin to eat different. We're going to begin to walk differently. We're going to begin to dress differently. Why? Because there's a baby that's coming. There's the fulfillment of a prophetic word that's going to come to pass. And we can expedite this thing with the garments that we're wearing and the praise that we're that we're involved with and the prayer, the intercessory prayer that we go into that dimension of, of groaning and joining the whole world with the prayer that says, Lord, they want to they see your sons, they want to see your daughters. They want to see the real deal. They've seen the thing that's not real and they're tired of it and they don't want a part of it. What they want is they want to see the real thing. And when we tag into this, I'm telling you, you're going to look different. You're going to talk different. You're going to walk different. You're going to dress different because you're going to realize what you're carrying. I'm going to finish with this. Is it okay, honey, if I talk about diamonds? That's okay. Okay. Normally she's not with me, but I like it better when she's with me. For years and years and years, we lived from hand to mouth. We kind of still do, but, but we really did before. And I had always wanted to buy my wife things that I could never afford. No way could I afford it. And one day this person came up to me and gave to me an offering and put it in my hand. And it was a large offering. And, and, and they held their hand over my hand. And I said to them, thank you. And they wouldn't let me go. They said, Bill, I know you. Okay. I'm not letting go of this because you need to understand what this offering is for. Okay. I know you. So I need to tell you what this is for. This is for you and Faye. This is not for missions. Bold letters, underlined, highlighted. This is not for missions. This is not for church offerings. This is not for sowing into somebody else. This is for you and this is for Faye. Do you understand me? They weren't going to let go until I said yes. And then they said to me, snared by the words of your mouth. It's a scripture. And so I received this offering and I thought about some things that I wanted to give my wife. And we have a, we have a friend and he's a wonderful man of God. He, he, he is, he was in our first church that we pastored on the island of Maui in Hawaii. And, and, uh, and his name's John, and I called him up and I said, John, I've always wanted to buy Faye a diamond pendant. Would you help me? I don't want to just buy something that somebody else has created. Would you create this for me? Because he didn't just buy and sell jewelry. He was an artist and he created jewelry. And so he, and he was good. Oh my goodness, he's retired now, but he was really good. And I said, so John, here's what I'm thinking. 
And so I described to him what I wanted, three diamonds. I didn't care the size of the diamonds. I cared the quality of the diamond. And I said, and I said, I want you to make it. And he, he did it. He made it. And he called me up and he says, it's done. He sent me a picture and I said, oh my, that's exactly like what I was seeing in my mind. He says, this is it, Bill. It's beautiful. I said, yeah, it is. He says, do you have a chain that would match this gold? And I said, no, I don't. He says, I do. I will sell it to you for my cost. And oh, by the way, guys, there's a huge, there's a huge, they jacked the prices up in jewelry. I'm telling you, there's a huge markup. Are there any jewelers in here? I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even think to ask that before. <laughs> I get myself into trouble like that. And, and so he, 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 I said, okay, fine. And he says, I'm going to send this to you and then I'll send you the, uh, I'll send you the, the invoice. I said, okay. He sends me the pendant and he sends me the chain and then he sends me two invoices, one for the pendant and one for the chain. I don't know why he didn't put them together. And so I don't know about anybody else, but I know my desk and my desk is messy. And I read an article one time that said that messy desks are for extremely organized people and extremely organized minds. I read it. It was a real, it was a real article. They, did a, they actually did a study on it. It's probably somebody that you know, got a grant because they had a messy desk. And, and so I took these two invoices and I put them in my messy desk in drawers separate from each other. This is a key bit of information, by the way. And so then I waited for a nondescript day, not a birthday, not a holiday, not a special day, not any kind of a special day at all. I waited for the dullest, dullest, dullest possible day I could find to give her this diamond pendant because this was about her. It wasn't about celebrating anything else. It was about celebrating her. Come on, ladies. I thought I'd get an amen. An amen from the ladies in the house. Hmm? That's genius, isn't it? Okay, good. And so I, I, I went up to her and I said to her, okay, I've got a gift for you. What is it? I said, close your eyes. Why? This is, this is pink and blue. They, they, pink and blue always do this kind of dynamic. I've got a gift. What is it? Close your eyes. Why? Because I want to give you the gift. Well, what is it? And I close your eyes. Right? And it's this dance, you know, this delicate dance. And uh, finally, I get her to close her eyes. And I, I said, hold your hair up. And I, I got behind her and I put, fastened this pendant on right in front of a big mirror. And I said, okay, now you can open your eyes. And she opens her eyes up and, oh, wow. She's looking at the mirror and looking at this pendant, you know, and it's just perfect. Hits just right, just below the, the bottom of the neck. It's just, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And the light's gleaming on it and the colors are going. And three days later, she's getting dressed. I go into the the area where she's dressing. Men do these things. And 
And she's standing in front of the mirror and she's already got the pendant on. And so I come up behind her and I put my arms around her and I kiss her on the back of her neck. And I said, honey, will you do, please do me a favor? She says, what's that? I said, and I'm looking at her in the mirror and she's looking back at me in the mirror. I said, would you please be careful about this piece of jewelry because I cannot replace this. And when I said that, she rolled her eyes. And I said, why did you roll your eyes? I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I saw you roll your eyes. I didn't roll my eyes. Yes, you did. I saw you. Pink and blue, right? And she then said to me, well, Bill, you know, and I know that these are only CZs. These are not real diamonds because we can't afford real diamonds. Yeah, I know. That's what I felt. Yeah. And I said, you really think that? And she said, yes. Pull my phone out. Call my friend John Kuge in Maui. It's 10 o'clock in the morning in Texas. Five o'clock in the morning <laughs> in Hawaii. He's my friend. John, yeah, Bill, it's five o'clock in the morning. What are you calling five o'clock in the morning? I said, John, can you do me a favor? Yes, of course. I, 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 it's five in the morning, Bill. I said, John, could you t please tell Faye how much this pendant cost? Really, Bill? Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Please, John. She doesn't believe that it's real. And so I put the phone up to her ear and John says, Faye? Yeah, John. The pendant is real. The diamonds are real. And then I take the phone away and I said, John, thank you so much. And in the meantime, she's standing in front of the mirror and she does this. Hmm. Shoulders go back. Chest comes out. Every man's dream. <laughs> when she has that pendant on, she walks different. She stands differently and she doesn't even think about it. But I do. And I see. She even walked different. Because now she understood the value of what she was carrying. We don't get what we're carrying. We don't understand the value of what we are carrying. What we are carrying changes heaven and earth. What we're carrying changes individual lives, it changes marriages, it changes families, it changes neighborhoods, it changes cities, it changes regions, it changes states, it changes nations, and it changes a generation. And that's only one person carrying that. And when a whole congregation carries that,
When the whole family of God wakes up to the reality of who we are carrying in our generation, we're going to walk different, we're going to stand different, we're going to have our shoulders back, and we're going to realize the authority that we wield. And we're going to bring to bear what's inside of his heart, which is to advance the kingdom of heaven first in earth, this earth, and then on earth. Because we have to be carriers first. And we must recognize the value. And so God says, I'm going to declare who I am to you. And you're going to discover what you're carrying on the inside of your heart. We're going to listen to people differently. We're going to hear their groans. We're going to see them through the lenses of Holy Spirit and we're going to see who they actually are, not who they think they are. And we are going to declare the name of the Lord in our generation, wherever our pulpit is. My pulpit just happens to be here today. Your pulpit is your job where you go to tomorrow. And when you go into that job, you've got to understand that's your pulpit. And the pulpit that God's given to you is so that you can pull back your heart and you can let the nature of Christ come through you to every single person that you meet. And that's how the kingdom of heaven comes into earth, through you. Heartland Church, you have, you have moed of prophetic words released to you and now there's coming a moed of the fulfillment of the promises that God has purposed in this house. And you have had good teaching and you have good spiritual intelligence. But I'm telling you, even with the height of your good spiritual intelligence, you do not yet know and understand the value of who you are carrying. And God is going to bring forth a revelation of Christ in this house that you have not yet enjoyed. It's coming. It's coming. I release this by the word of the Lord. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And when he releases this on the inside of your hearts, you're going to be different. You're going to walk different. You're going to hold yourself differently because you understand the value of what you are required and what you are privileged because requirements and privileges always go together. You cannot separate them. Responsibility, privilege, they're married. You have a responsibility to Ankeny. You have a privilege for Ankeny. And that's to reveal the Christ that's in you that is the hope of glory. Not only for you, but for everybody that you meet. Would you stand with me, please? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this house. I thank you for the leadership here. I thank you for Pastor Dave and Pastor Kathy. I thank you for all the staff members in Heartland. 
I thank you for the, the child care workers that have been stretched this morning by waiting on us. I thank you for the, that which you have put in their hearts to love our children. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, of what you're about to release in this hour, in this house, in this people, in this family. And I'm asking you this morning, Lord, that you will take this word and that you will seal it in our hearts and that you will breathe on it in our hearts and that you will bring us into a dimension where our eyes are open to see that you are arising even now. You're changing your posture. You're changing your position and you're moving from a place of ruling and reigning and seated in your throne to rising up and standing and moving and exercising the dominion of your throne in the earth in this hour. Bring it forward so that we can rise up to walk with you. For that which you have arisen to do, not only is it to do with what you're going to do, it's to do to mentor us to see what we must do, that we must arise, that we must stand up, and we must begin to walk in the realm of your glory so that your presence will be advanced and your kingdom will be advanced in Iowa and in the heartlands of this United States. And Lord, I'm asking you for you to change the atmosphere in this nation. I'm asking that you will change the atmosphere of this nation and begin it in the heartlands. Begin it in the heartlands, in the center of this nation. Change the atmosphere of this nation and release your glory in this nation. And Lord, we're asking you to change the face of this nation and bring forth your kingdom that hears the groaning of the prisoners and here's the heartbroken ones and the blind ones and the deaf ones and those that seemingly have no hope. Lord, open up our ears so that we hear what you hear and we see what you see that we might do what you do. In our generation, I ask this, Father, in the magnificent name of Jesus. In the magnificent name of Jesus. Seal this word in our hearts. And those who have not yet become impregnated, let it, let it, let it fertilize their hearts even now and let there be an impregnation this hour. And open the eyes of our hearts that we might see you. I'm asking this, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I said to Pastor, and, and, if, and, if, and if you need to get your children, please go get them. and You can listen to this later. I thanked the pastor before I got up here. And I said to him, I travel all over the world. But occasionally I find a place where I fit. And I think that I can speak for my wife and I this morning that we fit with you guys and I love you. And I thank you for the privilege and the honor of coming into this house. And, and I, I, I have homes all over the world, but I don't pay the taxes to them. 
And so if you'll let me and my wife hang around, we'll hang around as long as you let us in the future. And I'm going to be so bold as to say that I think maybe we belong to each other. And maybe I just answered your question. So here you go. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.